Welcome in, everybody. This is Too Much Movie Night. Follow along while we go back in time through our favorite movie night movies and see how well they hold up. I'm one of your three co-hosts, Brian. Next to me, I have Alyssa. What's up? And Steve. You'll get yours, Biddy! Together each week, we'll spin our wheel to see which movie we'll be viewing. At the end of the pod, we'll rate our movie on our Too Much Meter. We'll keep track of which movies hold up to be the best movie night movies. Thanks for listening in and give us a follow to keep up with our weekly episodes. Well, welcome in everybody. The Too Much crew coming back at you for another episode of Too Much Movie Night. And no JJ. Oh, we got a plus one. We have a plus one. <laughs> well, I guess we're a minus one, but then we're a plus one. So we're back to three, but uh, yeah. <laughs> well, Alyssa, welcome in. First time in on the pod. Here I am. Thanks for having me. Our biggest fan from what we heard, too. All the letters you write in. Had to bring you on. <laughs> I'm having a fangirl moment right now. <laughs> I just can't believe I'm surrounded by, you know, such popularity. Right. Hey, we make dreams come true right here. That's what we do. It. Well, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, welcome in. This, uh, Like you said, we're going to go back to, we're going to check out favorite movie night movies. And this week, since it was Alyssa's first week, we actually gave her control of the wheel. We gave her um, all the picks, and funny enough, she won. And Alyssa, what movie are we doing this week? <laughs> we are doing none other than your classic, watching this three times during a weekend movie, The Mummy. The Mummy. You wa- Wait, you watched this three times during the weekend? I remember being a kid and this being on TV, what, like TBS or something, so many freaking times in a weekend. It was just like over and over and over. So I feel like I took a break after watching that movie my entire childhood. And it was kind of fun to watch it last week again. Nice. Nice. So how long has it been since you actually have seen this? Shit. Since, can we say that here? Oopsies. Oh, now we have an explicit rating. Let me ponder. I don't know. Probably middle school, like 13. Wait, since you've seen it? It's been that long? Yes. Wow. I know. Some things you just don't go back to. You get caught up in life. You know, new movies come out, but... Brendan Fraser, like, when watching this movie back, I thought, was that my first crush? <laughs> Definitely in the top handful. Like uh, a man in a loincloth, huh? George of the Jungle did something for you? He, yes, you know. And then in this movie, he's a badass. So he faces a mummy. You know, that's pretty cool. Kind of like the uh, goofball Indiana Jones is the, the vibes I was getting the entire that's time. That's kind of what I was thinking, too. <laughs> and I will say this. So, so he faces a, a bad guy. And, and I'm going to get into this later. Not necessarily a mummy, but uh, but uh, we'll call. <laughs> we're going to play the semantics game here with the title. Oh yeah. I, I was just going to say, is that how we're starting? We're questioning <laughs> the whole title of the movie. Okay. <laughs> the entire concept of it. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, the mummy's going to be Brendan Fraser's uh, biggest box office hit. Came out just a couple years after uh, after George of the Jungle. It spun off two sequels, and then a the Scorpion King being the prequel, and then, yeah, a remake, Tom Cruise recently. Alyssa, I think it was about the same time, middle school, when I saw these, and these were on repeat for me. These were as cool as horror movies as you get for me. 
but you know action-packed jokes here and there and uh you know we got some great great female actors in this uh love love yeah, seeing them right. back then. you were after mr frazier as well okay? you said great <laughs> great female actors there was one well i guess there was two right you mean an oxunamu uh, yeah uh, and all Anoxi- she said was o'connell the whole time oh, yeah. <laughs> evie was great i feel like in the second one she was more of a badass but not no, not so much this one uh, that's uh, true. So, so steve this uh this came out in 1999 what was your first first interaction Ooh, with this movie. right so this yeah you're talking like september 1999 um may 1999 oh may oh i thought okay maybe yeah may maybe i was thinking like well i definitely know from from may through july i was completely swamped and then even like that whole first probably for like the first year that it was out like uh did not go to a movie is completely swamped with um with I guess uh, how would I put this? Kind of learning by job, uh, for to, so to speak, you know, for the next twenty four years. Yeah. So going through that stuff. So did not even uh, entertain um, going to the movies with this, going to see this in the movies. So I really don't remember the first time that I watched it. It may, I mean, it just may have been at home. You know, I think this this must have been a blockbuster night or something. You know, and uh, it just kind of ran it from there. Or catch it on. You didn't even catch it on. Didn't even watch till it came came on TBS later on. So I don't know. Did the whole Alyssa weekend long thing? <laughs> you know it. <laughs> but but I was a fan of Rachel Weisz. I've always been a fan of Rachel Weisz. I really just I'd really dig her. I think she's awesome. Um, Brendan Fraser, I liked him from uh, from the movie School Days before, and uh, and I want to say like Encino Man. <laughs> yeah, he was an Encino Man. That's about all uh, I remember, though. But uh, but other than, I mean, I just didn't. I just I kind of I kind of just thought of him of all. I've always thought of him as just sort of this kind of a of a bigger goofy guy, and um, you know, especially from that Encino Man. But uh, yep. Well, awesome. Let's uh, get ready to get into the trailer. Let's do it. Where did you get this? On a dig down in Thebes. Jonathan, I think you found something. There is an ancient legend of a place known as the City of the Dead. We call it the doorway to hell. Where the earliest pharaohs were said to have hidden the wealth of Egypt. Are we going into battle? There's something out there. Something underneath that sand. They came to uncover its secrets. Mummies, my good son. This is where they made the mummies. They sought to unlock its treasure. And then there was light. Oh, boy. What they did... Oh, my God. It does exist. I think this may be the Book of the Dead. ...was unleash a force unlike any the world has ever known. You must not read from the book! You have unleashed the creature that we have feared for more than 3,000 years. He will regenerate and no longer be the undead. We are in serious trouble. This one! What the occasion calls for it? Trust me, it calls for it! Universal Pictures invites you. This powers are growing. What? This just keeps getting better and better. To experience the adventure. It appears he's already chosen his human sacrifice. That will live forever. If he turns me into a mummy, you're the first one I'm coming after. Go! 
Tommy. In 1290 BC, in the city of Thebes, Egypt, the high priest Imhotep secretly has an affair with the pharaoh Seti's mistress, the beautiful but dangerous Anaxunamu. When the pharaoh discovers the affair, both Imhotep and Anaxunamu kill the pharaoh. After the murder, Imhotep flees Thebes while Anaxunamu remains behind to fight the guards. Imhotep steals Anaxunamu's corpse and travels to the city of the dead, Hamanoptera. The resurrection ceremony is stopped by the late pharaoh's bodyguards, the Magi. Imhotep is buried alive with flesh-eating scarab beetles and is sealed in a sarcophagus, which is placed near a statue of Anubis. That was a hell of a trailer, too. I really got to say, that trailer was very, very dramatic. Um, and uh, um, Anaksu Amun, I, th- I thought she was awesome. She played a great part in this, too. What, the four words she said in the whole movie? <laughs> She's hot. I mean, we know that. This but... is very true. What's going there? I mean, uh, you know, just because she has, like, painted painted everything all over her body except for her little loincloth, right? Everything else was just completely painted. You got to dig that, right? That's like Fantasy Fest down in uh, in Key West. Oh. Well, what do you know about Fantasy Fest, huh? You got painted, painted ass cheeks or what? <laughs> okay, so <laughs> what threw me watching this, you know, being an adult now I'm not going to say my age even though i'm the youngest one here you know i'll respect that but didn't realize that they have such a love story you know you kind of feel bad for the guy like what of course he fell in love with the girl that the pharaoh had eyes on her that's not her fault and so then i almost was on their team as i watched the movie i don't know if it was just the state of mind at that time but i felt like i saw it through a different lens you know something's kind of being serious you don't pick up on as a kid because this wasn't a kid movie it was an adult movie so i saw what i saw when i was younger and that was like brendan Fraser's cute look at this love story look at those crazy ass beetles and that was really all i remember from it you know so now actually sitting down and paying attention i was like whoa okay Uh, that's funny the crazy ass beetles like ringo and but I was, I agree. I was team Aksu, Aksu Aman, Aksu Namun, Aksu Namunu. I can't even find. Anaksu, Anaksu Namun, right? Anaksu Namun. I was totally team Anaksu Namun. And 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 that that they were like, yeah, that that they had that whole little love story thing going on. I totally was was all about that, right? Screw the Pharaoh. Yeah. Right, like outside of his whole, you know, jumping ahead, wanting to destroy the whole world. If he wasn't about that, I'd completely be on his side because, yeah, all he's trying to do is bring his girl back and just live happily ever after with her. But you know, then we've got the whole world destruction thing, and then it's hard but to was, be on his side. But was he really trying to destroy the whole world, or just kind of just have enough power to bring her back to life? Well, I think that's what the Magi said: is like, all right, we have to watch out because he's gonna because he was bringing all the plagues at that one oh, point when oh, he got into that's Cairo. Why, yeah. He was going to bring all the plagues back with him. And then, okay, I gotcha. I gotcha. So why is this called the mummy? Because again, we let's get into this because he is not a mummy. He she was, is. She, well, but she wasn't the, the, the mummy, right? But, she, but is that, we're talking about the title character. And I would assume that the title character would be uh, Imhotep. And so, you know, or Brendan Frazier. 
What? <laughs> well, he's the main character. But that's not the title. It's not called the the knucklehead. You know the. The, the Indiana Jones wannabes. That's not the title. Well, of the it's movie. also it's... not called the Beetle Food either, you know, because that's what <laughs> that's what Emotep is. Nothing but Beetle Food. I think that they're trying to portray him as the mummy, but oh, for sure. But he wasn't obviously a mummy. I feel like he it's was... one of those oversights. Like, hey, let's go for the dramatic name, the Mummy. Easy, simple. But oh yeah, wait, our main antagonist is not a mummy. <laughs> and man, but what talk about a terrible freaking way to die, right? Getting oh buried, gosh, yeah. buried alive with flesh-eating scarabs. What? I mean, those. So that was the scariest part of the whole movie. Really, were the scarabs. Oh, absolutely. The scarabs were were the were the worst. I mean, that's a yeah. That was terrible. Yeah, worst fear. <clears throat> you have you got me stuck on this mummy. Sorry, I'm thinking here. <laughs> like, what the what would we call it? And why do we think he's a mummy? I just assumed. I I wasn't even thinking about this picking it apart. But is it because he was in a sarcophagus? Should it be called like crazy man in sarcophagus? The we, crazy man in sarcophagus. I guess we think any dead person from Egypt is a mummy. Well, they got to be wrapped in something. And I thought he was wrapped in something. He was, but he wasn't mummified, right? Because he didn't have any of the stuff taken out of him. He wasn't preserved. That was the whole mummy thing. Just let you know, him die eating alive. The, yeah, to carry the moth into the into the afterlife no he was freaking eaten alive right and and why would that make him come back alive just because they bury him alive and feed and feed scarabs to him so that's going to make him come back to life is that that's what they said later on like is there is there myth or something that's why they don't ever do that that ritual yeah i don't know if it was just that or purely that book that you know just purely based on the book that's what gives the power to to resurrect him to bring him back or if it has to do with how you know that death process. I don't know. I think they did say that, like that that they don't that they don't. Or, or Evie says later on that they don't ever do that that ritual because of the of the stuff that it could could lead to. Terrible, terrible. But then he was munching on those beetles later. So yeah. like, who won in the end? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. He was eating them. <laughs> 1923, American Rick O'Connell fights alongside the French Foreign Legion near the Anubis statue against an army of Magi warriors. The French Legion are defeated, leaving only Rick alive. Rick is about to be executed by the Magi when Emotep's evil presence manifests itself and causes the Magi to flee. Rick is left to die in the desert, but survives and makes it back to civilization. Okay, so right away, now let's talk about this. You have Rick is in the place, and the Magi know that Imhotep is buried there, mm -hmm. and they know, so they're there to kind of protect it and to keep them people from 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 doing it. So the Magi freak out and run away and get scared when Imhotep's face appears in the sand, or they hear these whispering voices. What the hell? They should know that that's happening because if they've been protecting that area for three thousand freaking years, then you're saying that that's never happened. And they, but they, they, they get scared and run away. I mean, I don't think it makes you any less scared just because you know there's a scary mummy below you or bad guy. And he's dead. He's dead and trapped in a sarcophagus. And why does his like? Why does he get a spirit? And or, and how is can he magically make sand and his face appear in the sand? You know, like, 
and and still after three thousand years, and then even after Rick sees it and walks into the desert, and the guy's like, "Oh, well, see, the mummy remains uncovered, you know, or whatever. Like <laughs> the secret remains." It's like, no, he saw it. He was there and saw the damn thing. Right? It was just, oh, blew me away. But yeah, the magi they get scared and run off. What? Like, come on, dude. I just thought that whole scene was weird. Like where they're they're running at them and they're on their horses and then they all flee. And I know this is jumping ahead, but it like that next scene too when you see him in jail, it's just so choppy. But it's a pre two thousand movie, so are we asking too much? Because <laughs> movies back then they didn't connect the dots as fluidly as they do now. <laughs> I, you know, I don't know if it's asking too much to say like if you're holding a rifle that is a bolt action <laughs> rifle in one hand and you can cock it and point it at somebody without ever moving the other hand. <laughs> That's pretty fucking impressive. And I just, and that they even did that. It was just like, we're going to have them hold this one hand and cock cock and point it. And you know, it was like, all right, come Look, on. This is the 1920s. We didn't have these semi and fully automatic weapons like we do nowadays. You know, I, but they're I having mean, to that... figure out how to be innovated back then, you know? Oh, I guess just making magic, magic cocking rifles. And then he goes and wanders off into the desert. Should we kill him? Oh, no, the desert will kill him. But it doesn't. Bad move there. Bad (laughs) move. Bad move. Could have squashed the whole movie if you just would have finished the job. I'm glad they didn't. You chose poorly. (laughs) (laughs) What was the, I want to say, what was the magical three years later? What, where did that come from? Well, that's how long he wandered in the desert, you know. Is it, right? Yeah. <laughs> it had to give him time to suffer and grow that beard, that big old beard. From that <laughs> that's how long it took him to get to the next town? Or... Yeah, I, I really didn't understand quite the uh, the timeline they were trying to set up there. Like, if it had something to do with this curse, the resurrection of the mummy, you know, like, whatever have you. But, like, yeah, it really didn't play much into that. Three years later, Jonathan Carnahan presents his sister, Evelyn, with an intricate box and a map that leads allegedly to Hamanoptera. Evie is a librarian and aspiring Egyptologist. Jonathan reveals that he stole the box from Rick, and he and Evelyn travel to Egypt to ask Rick about the map in the city. They find Rick in a prison about to be executed. Evelyn negotiates with the prison warden for Rick's release and promises the warden a share of the treasure allegedly buried at Hamanoptera. Uh, this scene really bothered me. It was so unrealistic. First off, negotiation took way too long there. And then also, why was he in jail? If you're going to tell us that this is three years later, at least give us like a 15 second, 30 second snippet about what he did to get in there. And I'm just curious. Get, I just want to know. And, and to get hung. What I mean? You're going to hang him. He's not just in jail. He's getting hung because right. he had too much fun. Wait, what? What the fuck? Is, what does that mean? Too much fun. Yikes. That can be some sketchy shit. Right. Or that could be he just got a little mouthy for, for being in that area. Slipped or, a finger in the back door of the warden. Who knows, you know? Could be that too. So. <laughs> Here's a thing that kind of really got me, right? So you talk about this, the, the, that Jonathan has this, this, this thing for, Evel, for Evie, right? And, and gives her this, the thing where she flips open this the key and opens up and boom, there's this map. Which ultimately Rick says he found at Hamanatra. Was that what the, the Hamanatra? Hamanatra, right? That he got it while he was there. So, so 
why would whoever whoever put the map inside of the key in Hominoptera have a map to Hominoptera? I mean, they you know what I'm saying? They wouldn't need them. They're already there. Why are Maybe you they make... got there with It's how to get map. back. It's how to but get back. But why would there. they make them? But, but, but somebody, it was like the key wasn't put there. The key was put there by somebody, by, by the people who originally had the fucking key, you know? But why would, they wouldn't need to put a map in there. In the, it just it didn't make sense to me why there was a map inside the key in Hominoptera. You know, once you get to Hominoptera, you don't need the freaking map anymore. So it just made But do sense. you? Because you can only see it certain times of the day, right? So if they're not familiar, let's say they're first time and they're first timers. Okay. And, Visiting and the big H, trying so, to find the big M. So how did how did Rick know that in the first place? How did Rick know how to get to Hominoptera? Because he the said first you don't need the map, it's all in here. Well, right. I right. am the map. So he didn't need the map to get there, but then there's somebody else built the map to get to Rick didn't need it. I just don't know how the hell he knew where Hominoptera was in the first place. You think because, it was Benny? Because little he didn't bitch have a map. Benny? No, little bitch Benny didn't have a map either. That's the thing. Nobody had the map because it was in the key. And I don't know. Pish posh banana squash. This is a pre-2000. <laughs> and I think that they did not think things through. They're like, let's stick this map in this key because this is going to fit for us in about 43 minutes in this movie. And do I don't remember if it was in this scene ish or if it was later, but remember when, when Evie's showing her person that she worked with, I can't remember who it was. Her boss. And he, yeah. yeah. He like burns half the map. Well, later you realize that he's a part, he's one of the magi. Yeah, he, he did that shit on purpose. So it makes sense that he wasn't just doing it to squash her to go and look. He was doing it because he's one of the magi and didn't want them to go find it for that reason. Yeah. Which I thought that was kind of cool because I was like, okay, yeah, he's just being a fucking, you know, pissing on their party and getting rid of the map. No, he had, you know, that extra motive. That's what I thought too at first because it had been a long time since I've seen this movie. And at first I thought, man, what a dick. Like he's not even paying. It's a 3,000-year-old map you're burning, bro. What are you doing? You know? At least frame it. After a while, I'm like, all right, I get it. Okay, yeah, you're trying to keep them from, yeah, gotcha she she's tricking him or she didn't really trick him but like that whole and then like let's let him hang there and squirm for what a good 10 seconds no unrealistic i'm sorry he bounced up and down when they when they pulled the shoot like he would have been gone in a second Uh and that was just i don't know it's unrealistic so brendan frazier actually had to be resuscitated after this scene uh he actually got knocked unconscious in the filming of this movie and they had to bring him back. They let him yeah. hang too long. Huh? <laughs> like, like he was really freaking hanging. Like, what? He's like yelling out his safe word. Like, pineapple! <laughs> fucking pineapple! No one's listening. <laughs> Rick leads the group across the desert to the city. Along the way, they encounter a band of American treasure hunters that are being led by famed Egyptologist Dr. Alan Chamberlain and guided by Rick's cowardly acquaintance, Benny. Both groups are attacked by Magi soldiers who are looking for Evelyn's box and the map during their journeys. Each group arrives at the city at the same time, but each group works independently from one another. Meanwhile, Evelyn looks for the Book of Amun-Ra, a solid gold book supposedly capable of taking life away. She discovers that her box turns into a key and opens the tomb. In the tomb, she discovers a sarcophagus, 
At the same time, the Americans discover a sealed chest that warns anyone that opens the chest means death. During this initial venture to the tomb, Hassan is killed by scarabs that enter his body and eat away at his brain. Were you laughing about Evelyn's box? Well, I was laughing about <laughs> Yes! <laughs> yeah, Evelyn's box is what really kind of threw me there. As I put that in there, I was like, someone's going to make a fucking joke. I know it. I just know it. <laughs> so, yeah, these Americans are obviously, you know, um, crazy, these Wild West dudes that are gamblers and everything else. Guns, guns, guns. Guns, yes. I mean, they're straight up Americans, they're just having a great time during the gunfight later on, right? Because that's what they do. But but the, the Magi come onto the boat. Now, the dude that breaks into Eve- Evelyn's, Evie's room and... And is like threatening her, the guy with the hook, right? Threatening her, and where's the map? And the bot, whatever, where's the key? Where's the map? But I'm wondering, what was the whole Magi's, what was their, what was their, I guess, objective? Was it to, to kill, because it seemed to be, kill everyone on the boat and burn everything fucking down? Because that's what they were doing, right? They're just shooting people randomly because, like, I don't even know if they knew that like Rick was like fighting them because he just jumps out with Evie and they start shooting him. You know, they don't even know if he's the guy. So they're just shooting people. They're, they're burning shit down. I wonder what, what was their whole objective there? What was the point? Maybe they're just sick of people exploring and they're like, look, we got a two for one here. We can take out this whole boat, knock out the Americans, knock out this group, get their key and map. And they definitely seem like they've got like the uh kill at all cost like your mission is to protect hominoptera it's to keep that key away from people and you're gonna do whatever you have to do to keep it you know kill the woman sink the boat take down the people knock over the old people playing shuffleboard like just do it all (laughs) so wouldn't they just have done that right because if that was my objective this is what i'm thinking right my objective is to keep people from fucking ever going to hominoptera I don't even need to break into the room to steal the key so that somebody else could potentially find it later on. No, I'm just going to kill everybody and sink the boat. Why even go through the whole problem of finding the key, looking for the key, looking for the map? If you know it's there, which obviously they did, then just kill them. Kill them all, sink the boat, done. Because that's not good storytelling. Yeah, no. And like, come on, you're human. Are you telling me that you don't want to lay hands on that key? These guys didn't. These guys only, the Magi, their whole mission was to keep that dude buried forever to never be released. So what What a better place than in the bottom of the freaking Nile. I don't know where, where the, you know, the bottom of the Nile River, somewhere along the Nile. It's the Amazon, wasn't it? Gonna, maybe, maybe. I don't know. Brian, the Amazon Rhine, wasn't around know. back then. Come on. <laughs> I just didn't understand the whole the whole premise of that of the boat attack. It just didn't make sense to me. So. I bet that bumped up like you know what they spend on a movie that budget with all the fire, the boat jumping overboard, the insurance on that scene. I wonder what that knocked it up because we could have cut that and it would have been fine. Yeah, so the yeah. budget was eighty million, and like over I think over a quarter of this was all supposed to be special effects. Wow. Okay, so she discovers the the sarcophagus, right? And at that time, it's the same time that the Americans, the Americans discovered the sealed chest. But w- when they actually put the key 
in the thing, right? They put the key into the sarcophagus. That's when the warden Hassan, whatever his name is, comes freaking screaming and screaming, running in because the scarab is eating his brain or something and like boosh and bust his head into the wall. And then cut scene, they fucking leave the sarcophagus with the key in it and they go camp out. They're camping out then just hanging out that night with the key still in the sarcophagus. I'm like, well, they didn't go back. Why, why not? It very much seemed like they had uh, the dibs is it's big in the community of archeology span because it seemed like all three different groups went to a different spot of Hominoptera and just said, Hey, this is our spot. Don't touch it. Cause yeah, the Americans seemed very much the same way. They would go over there, open up their little crate with the poison gas, kill a few guys. And they're not worried that anybody else is going to check out that shit. But it was, it was very odd how nobody was territorial about that. It seemed like, cause I would have been checking out everything. Or, or mm-hmm. why they didn't just proceed with opening. Okay, yo, this dude died. That sucks. He busts his head into the wall. All right, let's go back to the sarcophagus where we have the key already inserted into it. But no, we're going to wait till the next day or after the Magi come that night and try to ter- start terrorizing people again. You know? Was that before or after when Evie's like, no, 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 we can dig other places? Like, wink, wink this is not where we need to be digging because she had the knowledge right that was that scene when she figured out the the bottom of the statue they could get underneath it right there and that's how they found the sarcophagus mm-hmm. was underneath yeah because yeah, she because of the because the americans were they were like threatening the americans or the americans were threatening them they were all ended up at the same place and so yeah she was just like okay we'll go somewhere else <laughs> go along mm-hmm. with me here Pure special you know, arm brain, touch, whatever. Yeah, and so Okano, Okano. <laughs> so yeah, and then the next thing you know, they end up in the bot in some other underground cave, even beneath that. Right, so mm-hmm. they're in a cave beneath another cave. I don't know how what, how many fucking levels of this cave system that there are, and how did they get down to the next level of the cave system? Just take some stairs. Thirty-eight floors. Elevator. The, the elevator. Yep. The elevator down to the next level of the cave. Jesus. <laughs> that night, both expeditions are attacked by Magi soldiers led by Ardith Bay. A Rick forces a standoff when he threatens to destroy everyone by lighting a stick of dynamite. Bay warns them all that the buried city contains evil and gives them one day to leave. Nevertheless, both expeditions proceed with their explorations. Evie's group opens up the sarcophagus and discovers Emotep's remains. The American ignores the warning on the chest and attempt to open it. However, when the chest is opened by the Americans' Egyptian workers, acid shoots out and kills the workers. Ignoring the carnage, the American expedition finds the Black Book of the Dead, along with the jars that contain Anaxunamu's organs inside the chest. Each American takes a jar, and Dr. Chamberlain takes the book. Benny flees the scene out of fear for the curse. So Benny is a smart coward. He's a survivalist. <laughs> Benny is he a survivalist. He knows whatever he has to to survive. He's slimy. He's gross. He's got this weird Hungarian accent. He's and... shady. He's got, <laughs> he's got big ass teeth. <laughs> he's a sewer rat. <laughs> he's a sewer. Benny just like he bails out at the fucking first sign of trouble. He's like, I'm out of here. Fuck this. You know? All the time. All the time. And you even hear his comment earlier. He's like, yeah, these damn Americans are smart. They pay me only half now and half later, so I can't even screw them. <laughs> you know, like, he is just yeah. a sneaky guy. 
is. But the Americans opening up that, like, just like, ah, curses, smirches <laughs> type thing. Right, forgetting what expedition that they're on. Like, right. did you not read the fine print of what you're hunting after here and what you could possibly run into? I would assume that they know a little bit of what, well, the gases wouldn't have, how can you predict that? You know, that was a pretty sneaky one. The acid? You so? Yeah. I guess, oh, it was acid. My bad. I forgot it was. In the mood when we were watching it, I thought it was just like dust. And then I was wrong. That was some frightening dust. <laughs> but I guess my thing was, I kind of thought it implied that the Americans were treasure hunters. So why are they digging? I mean, I guess I know they, they bury people, the mummies, you know, with their, their possessions and there's treasure in there, but... Why aren't they just looking for that big ass room of treasure that Benny found rather than like digging in, you know, sarcophaguses and stuff like that? I, I guess I felt like they were shooting kind of small. Yeah. Uh, you know what? One thing I forgot to mention earlier is their freaking race to um, Hamanatra. <laughs> yes. Jesus Christ. So On, the On the camels. On the camels. Those are the fastest freaking, the fastest damn camels on the face of the earth. They're outrunning the horses. Those, cam <laughs> those camels need to be in the freaking Kentucky Derby. <laughs> I mean, those are, they were just kicking ass on that. And you, tee, tee, tee. But, oh, my God, I could not believe it. It was like watching them like, ride the camels. Those, those poor fucking camels were just, they were humping. Yeah. Can can we just take a little swerve real quick? All right. Why did it have to be the Americans that were the stupid people and that were greedy and couldn't keep their hands off these things? And, you know, like, is that is that a stab? Why couldn't they have been from another country? Why couldn't it have been the Australians? Everyone else had an accent. They didn't have to pick Americans. Well, I think that I'm thinking manifest destiny, right? So this is the, again, these guys are coming out of the, out of a, a world war one. This is right after world war one. There's still this American expansionalism happening. And so they're like, fuck the world is ours now. Right. Okay. This whole transfer of wealth happened after world war one. It's like now the U S has all this money. We're going to go take over the world kind of thing. So yeah, that's kind of in my, I, I think, that's probably right. It fits. Okay. Same thing with Indiana Jones. You know, Indiana Jones, hey, you know, we're, we're Americans. This is about the same, well, this is probably the same time period, you know? And so, yeah, American expansionism, that's what I'm thinking. Is Brendan Fraser just young Indy? I think so, yes. Is it the same universe? Or, is it Indy wannabe is what I'm thinking. Or was Indy a Brendan wannabe? <laughs> Might be that second one. We're going to have to have our assistant check that out. Charles, do a little research for us. Thank you. Beep, boop, beep. Charles is not a robot, Melissa. <laughs> have you not met Charles? You've never been on the show. No. Duh. Duh. <laughs> Get it straight. <laughs> I can't. Uh, Where are we? Talking about the stupid freaking Americans. So you oh, open yeah. up a crate, it kills some of your workers, but then you're going to proceed to take one of those cursed jars with you because nothing's going to happen there. I don't think it, you know, like, what? No. Go find something gold or, you know, platinum plated, not 
you know, some old ass jars with some of these remains in them. <laughs> some sand in them with a cool lid. Basically yeah. is what they were. Exactly. Some old ass urn. <laughs> That's what it was with like an organ in it, right? Yeah. Pharaoh or- Grandma. <laughs> no. Sand. Oh my god. Once they got some sort of Egyptian cookie recipe in there? No, dude. No. Go get something worth money. That's terrible. It was, uh, yeah, you're right. Like, you're, we're going to take these things. Uh, I mean, whatever, because, like, hey, we're just looking for treasure. And that freaking book's not made out of treasure. Oh, this is, you know, the Egyptianist. This is the treasure, you know, so. At night, Evelyn steals the Book of the Dead from the Americans and begins reading it aloud, accidentally awaking the corpse of Emotep in the sarcophagus. A swarm of locusts suddenly appears and drives everyone underground into the buried city. Both expeditions break into a smaller parties. One of the Americans gets lost and is attacked by Emotep, who takes the American's eyes and tongue while partially regenerating his own body. Evie comes across Emotep, who seems to recognize her as an Oxunamu. Rick saves Evie before all survivors flee to the city. Benny encounters Emotep and begs for his life. The surviving expedition members run into Bay, who tell them that they must kill Emotep before he brings death and destruction. All right, so <laughs> how many people does it take to regenerate Emotep? <laughs> well, what were there, five, five files Americans? or jars? Four Americans and the Egyptologist. Four Americans and the Egyptologist, right? Was mm-hmm. it three or four Americans? Four, four Americans. Americans. So all five of them is what it takes to regenerate Emotep. But what if fucking only one person opened the, the, the book or the box? Then would it just take one person to re-enter? To, because it's, it, well, that's what it was, right? If it's whoever opens this opens this container, then you're going to die and Emotep's going to use your body parts to regenerate. So did he need five people to be there to open it? Or what if there was 10 people? Would he have only had a 10th? Each person would have been a 10th of this body regeneration? I don't know. I mean, what's the fucking math here? That's right. I mean, I feel that's, like it's just happy accident my... with the jars. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why you can't just take one body. When he when he uh, took the guy's eyes and the tongue, I thought, why don't you just take the whole thing? And then you're regenerated or whatever it is. So I don't know. Yeah. I feel but like he, this might be the phrase of the of the episode, but we're gonna chuck it up to a pre two thousand not thought out plot. Like they just sprinkle little breadcrumbs that kind of make sense. Don't put any red flags out there, you know, but they're not expecting people to pick it apart like this. Like there is no logic behind that. <laughs> well it's cause all this action we're just locked in. We don't have time to break it apart. I think that they were probably just trying to cover it up. Hey, we'll just cover up all of this shit with so much action that you won't have to think about it. But when you think about it, it's like, oh, well, this shit doesn't make sense. You know, because again, like, so is it five bodies to regenerate if when you're dead for 3000 years or again? Yeah. What if 10 people open it up? Then is it? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. So that's that again. The math just doesn't work out for me. I'm a little fearful to hear your rating at the end. Like, it's not sounding so great. But, well, so again, another thing, though, and we see this a couple of times in the movie. Like, when Evie is, like, positioning the mirrors and shit, you know? 
And then later on, you, later on, I'm fast forwarding a little bit after, after Brendan Fraser shoots a mirror to position it, you know, later on. <laughs> now, like ridiculous. You, right. You see the light, which goes bing, 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 bing. Now, the speed of light travels at 186,000 miles a second. So, <laughs> you're not going to actually see the light travel from this. <laughs> but in this fucking tomb, apparently light travels so slow. slow well, it's ancient can, light. That's why. <laughs> you can see the beams. Oh, God. I'm just like, this is so fucking ridiculous. <laughs> I didn't think about that. But now that you say that, I remember it being very slow. Beep, 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 yeah. bing, bing, bing. You're just like, oh, Jesus. But yeah, that's, uh, I mean, not trying, I, the, the, uh, I'm not trying to break the science down because, because of the whole mummies coming alive and shit. I get it. Right. But we don't have to make the light slow down fucking to, you know, 10 feet a second, you know, to be, <laughs> we can stretch a bunch of other shit, but let's not stretch the speed of light. Let's not stretch that. <laughs> There were a lot of scenes that they stretched out too, and this this kind of being one of them, like the amount of time, like I get it, you're stealing parts of the bodies of these guys. I feel like they could have wrapped those up a little bit more. The amount of time we spent watching the guy with the tongue and no eyes, and watch you know Emotep regenerate. Yeah, I, I think that Alyssa, you kind of bring up the these pre two thousand. I think that actually did play a lot into what this was. Because the special effects, I felt like in most of these scenes were really good, but there were some that were like, wow, I haven't seen this in a while, and I don't remember how bad some of it were. And I feel like that's what some of those scenes were. They were trying to show off, you know, the CGI that they were able to do, what they were doing with his face and the bug crawling in and out of his lips. and For sure. And, and I felt like it almost, date, not necessarily dated the movie, but kind of aged the movie as, as far as what they were trying to, I feel like, do and accomplish with all of that. Uh... Right. They're like, let me flex this. Look how far we can stretch his jaw without it looking like shit. <laughs> and <laughs> yes, I totally agree with that. Like it that... becomes about that, especially back then. That's a super interesting point, really. Oh, yeah. Sorry, yeah. I didn't steal the show. No, no, go ahead. I'm, I'm saying, I mean, that really is. I agree. That's a super interesting point about that. Like, yeah, we may be just trying to show how much we could do with CGI shit now. Right. Especially with the dude's eyes. Like, that was scary when he's standing there or sitting there and right before he gets, you know, offed completely. But no eyes, no tongue, not looking good. No, he wasn't looking good at all. <laughs> We talked about the survivalist of uh, that, that is Benny, and just so quickly you see him run into Emotep, and hey, I, I'm I'm down to be on whoever's team. You want me on your team? You got me. He starts praying in like eight different languages, pulls up a different relic of every different religion <laughs> like you could think of, you know, and finally, you know the was it the the language of the slaves. You know, he the starts Star of David, yeah, yeah, starts talking in Hebrew and. Oh, Emotep knows that. He knows a slave when he sees one, you know? And it's just like Benny's got no shame at all. Hey, I'll do what I have to, man. That You're right. That survival instinct kicks in for Benny, and he is... I'm, I'm, I'm full team Emotep now. Yep, he's got the T-shirt, the jersey. He's ready to go. Fucking foam finger. 
Fanboy. Fanboy. Evil Tip number one. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. Both expeditions return to Cairo, followed by Emotep and Benny. Emotep continues to regenerate himself to full strength by killing each of the remaining members of the American expedition. As each American is killed, the ten plagues begin to infest Egypt, and Emotep regains more of his physical form. Evie theorizes that since the Book of the Dead brought Emotep back to life, the Book of Amun-Ra can kill him again. Emotep corners the group with his army of slaves, and Evie agrees to accompany Emotep if he spares her friends and brother. Emotep agrees and then attacks them anyway. Ricky and the others fight their way to safety. So, okay, so personally, this is like my own little thing, but I always thought digging for mummies and digging things up and um, knowing just, I guess, not the common known stuff in history. That's so cool to me. And, um, I thought this was neat when she's like, okay, let me flex my skills because I played the damsel in distress the whole movie. And the one thing that she brings to the table is her knowledge. Right. So I thought that was pretty cool that she was able to hunt all this stuff down. Like it showed that they all kind of needed each other. Everyone had a role except for her brother. I don't know what was his role throughout the movie, except for just to be a third person. He was the the comic relief, you know. He was the lighthearted guy, you know. He's just there. He was the Benny, but just not. Yeah, he was just the non slimy Benny. Is the way I look at him, you know. So you know the crazy. Here's the here's the interesting part, right? When they go back to Cairo, right? So they're in Cairo. They're followed by Imhotep and Benny. They get back there. (sighs) Imhotep is doing his thing. He's sanding. He's appearing. He's sucking up Americans. Whatever. And, and, then, and then he sees a cat. Oh, oh, shit, a cat. And then, like, you know, sands, he turns into sand, disappears. What the fuck did he think the cat was going to do? That's what I'm, I'm worried about. What? Why? They, they said that he was scared of cats because the cats were the keepers of the underworld. Yeah. Or something. But what did he think the cat was going to do to him? It's what Good wouldn't point. the cat do, you know? The keeper of the underworld. They'll do anything and everything. Is yeah, Steve, have you ever had a cat? You don't know what they're capable of at 2 in the morning. You're right. I have had a cat before. I take that back. A long time ago. And his name was Tip, and he was a, a, a Siamese, <laughs> and he was awesome. Lisa hated him. But <laughs> because he used to shit in the flower pots. <laughs> but... But I just I just don't know like what Imhotep thought that this cat would do to him, you know. I mean, again, I've seen I know a Siamese cat's like my great grandmother had a Siamese cat that used to sit up on the very top of the door ledge, like walking into the kitchen, and would jump down and like start clawing your the head. You know, it scared the fuck out of me. But this little cat on the piano, what was Imhotep so afraid of him? Well, I mean, they've got statues all throughout Egypt of, you know, these giant cats. And so, like, who knows of the, the stories he's been told of these giant beasts. And... Well, because historically... <laughs> giant his, beasts. Historically, they revered cats. Cats were, like, for were, you know, I guess, like, you know, like, like the, the god of the healing and shit like that, right? So they were there to help. They weren't necessarily... They weren't... But I guess in this movie, the cats were tied to the underworld. But I just don't know, like, why he was so scared of the cat. Well, I mean, I usually like, doesn't like, the pharaoh have the cat? 
like you said, like they're, they're like a higher, you know, they don't worship them, but they respect them. So if he's not team Pharaoh, I don't know, maybe Pharaoh like tied him down. Well, he also, he, it seems like he operates under this Anubis God and Anubis is a dog. So maybe that plays into it too, you know, like the and dogs and cats just don't right well i mean they it's don't like, they never it's have like, it's anarchy cats and dogs living together holy shit <laughs> go back 3000 bc they had cartoons cat and dog proof going is at in it the pudding. <laughs> did think about that good spot brian good spot okay but also like i i grew up um going to private school so talking about the plagues every year and then growing up okay so from california when it's harvest season where oh, we locusts. lived in the country the locusts oh shit the fucking locusts <laughs> i remember vividly going to my grandma's house and and like you had to wear like a poncho to get into her house because they were everywhere and so i've always connected to that personally like could you imagine first off we're talking they don't have doors they don't have seals on their doors or, you know, they are full on getting all these bugs in their house, in their mouth, in their clothes, in their food. They don't have a fridge. And that's just hell. So I felt like this movie, it's like an Indiana Jones meets cheap biblicals coming here. The Ten and, Commandments. Yeah, there you go. And then, I don't know, we got a sprinkle of something else in there. It hasn't hit me yet. But it's just kind of like a mixture of so many different things that they threw together. And Steve, what you said is sinking in. And now that he wasn't even a freaking mummy, what's this movie about? It's just a story about a man. <laughs> That's crazy. About a man love. who's in love with a chick, right? And she was a prostitute. So <laughs> who should you really be mad at, Pharaoh or her? Just kidding. It takes two to tango, babe. You know <laughs> Maybe she's playing the field, you know? Like Maybe. Pharaoh, he's got money. And you know gold what was interesting? Fresh fruit. What was interesting was like at the beginning of the movie, the whole beginning, right? When they, when she's like walking out, looking all, all snazzy and shit. And, uh, you know, and, and like the voiceover is talking about, um, you know, Amaksu Anon, who's just, you know, the, the Pharaoh won't let anybody touch her. And there's this like, there's this one screenshot of the, of one of the priests who's like eyeballing her. And I'm like, hmm, I wonder if like that priest is like hooking up with this chick. But then it was like, cause, because I did not remember the story when I was watching it. I did not remember the story that it was Imhotep, but I saw this like priest was like eyeballing her. And I was like, hmm, I wonder if that dude's hooking up with her. Maybe he was too. I don't well, know. Well, he's Maybe painted she... the same color, so they wouldn't be right. able to tell if he was rubbing up against her. <laughs> I'm just Maybe. saying. Maybe she was playing the field a little bit, you know? Maybe she know. was painted inside and out, if you know what I mean. Oh, my God. Too much! <laughs> okay. Wow. Well, I'm just Anyways, saying. I know we're backpedaling, too much. Too much, but bro. why were those guys gold? Does anyone know why? Egypt like they loves were gold. gold? And gold with minimal clothes on. Clothes Royalty on. loves gold. That just they were looked, just his it, priests. It was weird. They were, his, they were Emotep's priests, which I don't know. Why did Emotep have priests? And why were they Emotep's priests? Was he just the high priest? 
and he had all these little sub priests. I don't know. Do sub priests have sub priests? <laughs> so I loved the uh, the escape the guys had after they brought uh, all the sores and boil army out, and he's like, "Oh, I got the girl. Screw it, go kill him." You know, they just you know pull a full teenage mutant ninja turtles and hop down the sewer drain there to escape. <laughs> that was weird. And then they got right back into the car that they that's that they with, crashed within the the sores and boils people. Yeah, we just see them leaving there. I don't know. No, they did. No, no, they, they didn't get back in the car because it just once they hopped down into the grate or into the sewer, that was it. Next well, thing you know, they show up at. And they're driving there in oh, that same car. That same, oh, wow. Yeah. Well, so my thing was like, here's the thing, right? Imhotep told his slaves, kill them all. These are shitty ass slaves. Well, they're covered <laughs> in sores and boils. <laughs> but these these slaves don't listen for shit because they only kill one dude. And I wonder if that's like why when they show up in the plane over over um, Hamanoptra, right? If that that's why he's so pissed. Is he pissed off at the slaves that <laughs> they didn't do their job and kill them? Well, he's got to be amazed he... at the airplane too. He doesn't know what the hell well, an airplane is. Well, that's true. But yeah, he he's like I don't know what this is. Or is he is he pissed off again? Because because those slaves just didn't do their job. And I would if I was like the slave master, <laughs> I would be, I would be pissed off that my slaves didn't do what I just. I told you I'm gonna kill them all, and I would go back and kill all the slaves then, right? Why why would he do that? I mean, he didn't. I don't know. Those dudes didn't do shit. But I don't know. I feel like Rick should be pissed at Evie a little bit. The amount of times that like emo tip sitting there holding her. As he's like flying in the plane, okay, he doesn't know what the airplane is. Dead giveaway. There he is. And he survives the crash, and there she is again. Hokano! Like, damn it, woman, quit giving yeah. away his freaking, like, right. no element <laughs> quit, of surprise here. Quit saying my name! <laughs> you know, okay, Rick, I'm just going to, I'm trying to distract him. I'm going to kiss him in order to save you, Rick. <laughs> I mean, so, she's just playing the field, you know? She's just playing the Yeah. I mean, okay, if you're in her shoes, you're telling me that you're not going to kiss ass on both sides and then at the very end decide who looks like the winner. That's like when you're, <laughs> when you're at the grocery store and you're like, am I in this lane or this lane? And you tell your wife, go in that lane and I'll wait in this lane. And then whoever gets to the front first, that's where we'll go. <laughs> Same logic here. She's just playing the field. I mean, okay, she's giving me Jane, Jane and Tarzan vibes. I don't know why she wasn't in that movie with him as well. Well, that's it. because uh, Leslie Mann is like just she's as I mean, close to a national too. treasure as you can get. That's a good point. Okay. Imhotep takes Evie and Benny back to Hamanoptra. They are pursued by Rick, Jonathan, and Bay, who enlist the help from retired World War One pilot Winston Havelock. The plane crashes due to one of the Imhotep sandstorm, but only Havelock is killed. Rick, Jonathan, and Bay enter the buried city and locate the Book of Amun-Ra, but they are cornered by Imhotep's mummy priests. Bay sacrifices himself so that Rick and Jonathan can escape with the book. Imhotep reanimates Anaxunamu's mummified remains and prepares to sacrifice Evie, but she is rescued by Rick and Jonathan. Evie reads from the Book of Amun-Ra, which makes Imhotep mortal again. Rick stabs Imhotep, who dies and vows revenge. This made me sad. Like, why do you have to go down with the plane? He was just chilling, minding his own business, got sucked into an adventure, oh, and then he, he has to adventure. go down. 
Right. But I think what, what got me was the quicksand. Like, was that a beautiful moment that he's forever in the desert where he wanted to be? Or is it like, no, now we don't have the opportunity to to celebrate your body. That sounded weird. But you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That was like a buzzkill. Forgot about that scene as a kid. And I was kind of sad. Had to take a moment. But yeah, we're, we're so we're down down underneath the city. We're, we're in the battle, which some of the battles I thought were good. Some of the, like we said, the special effects, oh, some of them were painful. <laughs> you know, whenever they are getting the book of Amun-Ra and like Arden Fey is there and he's like slaying mummies with, with, uh, with a sword. And then he like disappears down a tunnel and says, keep fighting, you know, or whatever else and go kill him and, and stuff. And then Jonathan stumbles out with the book. And now he has a book and he's just like, it seems like he's drunk. Wait, hey, I got the book here, you know? And he's Well, like, he's just like the little carrot, like he's the distraction. You know, he's walking around with big foo-foo on his head, like, look at me, come chase me. <laughs> and that's what he is, being an idiot with that is book. Is that what he intended to do, though? Did he intend to do that, to be this distraction? I guess maybe. I mean, I think so because isn't that when when Rick comes and gets her off of the thing that he, she's chained to, or is that a different scene? No, it's no. that scene. Yeah, he's in there with the the big ass sword. That has to be pre-planned. I guess so because he. But then when he's like reading that, and then all of a sudden these like the badass dudes show up, right now these guards that like march in fucking them, they march in the shields and, and axes and shit oh boy now these are no fucking mummies right these aren't the normal like zombie mummies who are just like you know <laughs> walking along <laughs> getting cut up by a sword now nah, these dudes are high fucking they're high yeah cotton, they were scary man. oh they, they were scary and they are like going to town but all he's doing is reading the inscription on the cover in order to... Thank you. Thank you. On the fucking cover? You're telling me that what is on the cover can take control of an army? I, I, don't, I don't buy it. No key <laughs> needed here it. for this book. Right, right? With everything being so intricate, needing a key and all these things, and she has to read it from the plaque in the, in the, light, or the museum. And then you're telling me that this is on the front of the book? To take so. control of this army of bad fucking dudes, right? See, and this is where they really could have let the movie get good. Show us the background. Give us a little more. Cut the scenes that we shit on earlier in the episode. Cut those out. Add more here. You know, if this is an action movie, give yes. me some action. Yeah, it definitely felt rushed as long of a movie as this was. It, it did almost feel like the ending was just kind of cut short there, like... And yeah. it was two hours and four freaking minutes pre two thousand. That's that's long, <laughs> right? And then so the whole freaking like once they finally you know get the key from Emotep right after for one thing after like Evelyn's already trapped she's she's tied up. Rick springs into action, slinging his sword around, cutting her chains. <laughs> so now finally. He's reading the inscription on the cover to to turn the bad guys on to her 
and then say, go kill her. So then they mm-hmm. go and fucking kill her, which Imhotep then freaks out. Jonathan recovers the key from Imhotep and is able to open the book. This all happens so fast. The the chariot comes and sweeps Imhotep's abilities or his, his godly powers away. Just like that. Done. And now Rick's going to stab him. And Imhotep's de- uh, dead. And just, just like, like that. that. Or like a normal person, dead. Which, bang, like, bang. I imagine he, he knew that's what happened. <laughs> like, he, he had to have known that he just lost whatever immortality he had. So then you're just going to walk up to the guy with the sword and just take it to the chest. Yeah, I, yeah just, all right, man. Imhotep, Imhotep he, he didn't, it's like, yeah, you're right. He didn't even realize that. Maybe he just forgot. You know, he didn't realize being a human would make him feel so weak. Yeah, the scene but... was so rushed, maybe he just forgot. You know? Do you think they, like, ran out of money? Or they were just like, fuck it, we're done writing this script. Let's wrap it up. We got a but- we got a deadline to make. And they're like, snip, snip, cut, cut. Here we go. Here's the story. Uh, we got no more ideas. We're out of ideas. <laughs> it just didn't feel very finished. I'm not going to lie, though. Had to watch this movie in two parts. Because I was a little sleepy. And the middle just got dull. You know, like it had momentum. It dropped. It picked back up. And in that drop, my age got the best of me. And it was, well, it was only 8 o'clock on like a Friday night. But still, I fell asleep. Until Temple begins to seal itself after Benny accidentally sets off a booby trap while looting the city of its riches. Rick, Evelyn, and Jonathan escape before it closes. But Benny is trapped inside and is killed by a swarm of scarabs. Once on the surface, the heroic trio discover that Bay survived his battle with mummies and made it safely to the surface. Rick, Evie, and Jonathan say goodbye to their new friend and begin heading back to Cairo on a pair of camels that carry treasure that Benny had loaded with them. Set on, on those camels. Camels. <laughs> Here, if we're gonna stick with the theme of uh, wishing certain scenes were shorter and certain were longer, I would have loved to see Benny die. Like, him being locked up forever, give me a couple scenes with him basking in all of the gold that's around him, and then, like, they cut the lights, and then we hear him die? Are you kidding me? That slimy little sewer rat? You know, know you could have taken... Do we hear him die? Barely. I think we hear him We hear the little... (laughs) We just see all the scarabs around him, and then the lights go out. I was happy for Rick when he, he got his final goodbye to Benny, though. As it's closing down, he's like, bye, Benny. Because <laughs> I think he got two or three of those in that in that movie. He did have like two or three, yeah, bye, Benny. Goodbye, Benny. Throw him overboard. Goodbye, Benny. Whatever. Fucking, yeah. Yeah. He finally, he got his final goodbye. And I'm happy they got some treasure. Too many movies where you see, you know, the good guys find some cool-ass treasure. They don't get to keep any of it or, you know, stuff like that. I want to see the good guys take a little of the spoils home. You know, take some of that treasure. Go live some of the good life. Treat yourself. So there's a lot of talk with this movie. Older and, old and, you know, Alyssa writing it hard for being a 90s movie. But with it being an older movie, what is this, 20, 24, 23 years old? Does it still hold up? Does it still hold up? Hmm. Is this what you want to watch on a Saturday afternoon? When We're not you're just slicing chilling it. on the couch. I don't know about that one. We're not slicing it yet. Oh. So just... I will say, does this movie hold up? Yes, because it's a period piece that's, you know, 
So, so placed him in the early 1900s, you know, 1920s, stuff like that, that yes, I think that this movie does hold up to, to today's, um, I guess like is definitely relevant in today's world, you know, still now, does it match like today's, I say like, you know, 20, the, the early 2020s, um, movie styles no but but i do think that it does sort of match that, that it does still hold up it's still viable as a as a movie to watch and everything else so yeah i do i, I think it does hold up what do you think Alyssa? well i wouldn't have chosen it as a pick if i didn't think it held up so <laughs> i do think it holds up still as far as who doesn't love the thought of a, a cool ass adventure hunting down some treasure, which they got, you know, also trying to uncover a little bit of history so I can appreciate it. I think though, you need to see it for the package that it is. You need the mummy one and two. It just seals the deal. Like oh. we, I haven't watched the second one since watching this one back and I want to jump into it and see, okay, how have we done? Cause I think that dropped 2003. Mm-hmm. So I remember years later. I remember the Mummy Returns being way better too. I really liked that one, but yeah. I would still think it holds up. Uh, Steve, to your point that it, because it is a period piece, we don't have to worry about technology stuff like that. I think it it holds up in that aspect, and then even the special effects. We've got a handful of scenes that are very uh, that doesn't look good anymore, but I feel like for the most part, it still seems relevant. You know, everything with the camera, with the, what you're viewing, I still feel like it's a. Uh, a movie that's not going to fall behind in generations just because of, you know, the way it looks. This is the part of the podcast that we're going to bust out our too much meter. This is going to be our pizza slice meter of uh, how well is this movie? Is it a great movie night movie? Something you want to curl up popcorn and a pizza and, and check this out. Uh, our meter goes from zero to eight slices. Uh, zero slices being eaten alive by scarabs and locked in a sarcophagus. And eight slices being a great movie, you know, looking off into the sunset, having uh, your girl Evie on your lap and gold in your saddles. So, Alyssa, this is your movie. Uh, usually, our uh, movie choice goes last. Do you want to go first or last here? Ooh, let's go last. I'm gonna go last. Awesome, Steve. You wanna? You wanna? You'll be starting us off. I would like you to go first this time. Sweet. Let me kick this thing off then. Well, the mummy. The Mummy is a, I thought it was a great choice. I haven't seen it in quite some time. I'd probably say a year or two, maybe three or four. <laughs> but this is a movie I have seen somewhat recently. Uh, I loved it as a kid. This being one of those first dozen PG-13 movies that I saw, it stuck with me. I came back to it often. Um, there were some parts that didn't hold up. The two-hour runtime was a bit long for, for what I wanted out of this movie. Uh, like I kind of touched on the, the special effects, not all of them hold up nowadays, but Brendan Fraser's great. It, it really feels like you've got um, George of the Jungle took a couple classes and he's just running out through the uh, through the desert because he's still goofy. He's still got some of that kind of uh, that physical comedy going about him. Uh, Jonathan was a great sidekick. Evie, a bit of a damsel at times in this movie. I remember her being a lot more badass in the second movie. Uh, but the character is very enjoyable, and uh, 
with all that, wrapping it up, stick it in a pizza box, I think that's going to give me a six slice movie. Whoa. I think I'm going to give this movie six slices. I enjoyed it. It's got its flaws, but for the most part, this is a movie I want to sit down on the couch and I want to sit down and enjoy. I will say that this movie to me is a, I, I love the action of the movie. The action kept me, kept me going the whole time. You know, the, a lot of continual action with the, uh, you know, the scarabs, the, the the Imhotep himself, um, you know, just kind of being a, a bad guy. Even if he's not a mummy, he's still kind of a bad guy, you know. Um, Brendan Fraser did good. He did he did fine in this movie. Rachel Weisz, I liked her too as a as a uh, as a damsel in distress, just like you mentioned. Jonathan being the um, uh, the, the comic relief piece. Um, but with a lot of the, the, the plot holes, a lot of the inconsistencies of the movie, that kind of brings it down for me. And, and, and although an enjoyable movie, this is, a, this is an average movie at best for me. And so with that, it gets a four slice for me. So it definitely is an average movie for me. Hmm. Interesting take. Well, let's take us home. Well, this is my first rating, so I feel a lot of pressure. Like, I don't know what my two is. What's my four? What's my six? Um, okay, I agree with what you said, Brian, about the runtime. A little long. Didn't need to be. You know, there's nothing fascinating or some in-depth storyline that we're trying to wrap up and, and follow here. So that kind of brought it down for me. But if I was just having a casual Saturday afternoon and this was on the TV and I was not watching it to talk about on a podcast. It ain't that bad, right? Like we're picking it apart because we're saying this is not logical. That doesn't make sense. But if you're sitting on the couch, possibly elevated, maybe you've had a drink, you know, there's some good points in this and you can look past those little, little things that don't make sense. Um, also, Brendan Fraser and his ass in those pants. I don't mean to go there, but I went there. So oh that, that's one slice within itself. And also, Evie's pretty good looking. You know, I like that little role. I'm okay with that. So with all that being said. There it is. You giving a four. <laughs> I think that it's going to put me at a 4.5. I know it seems a little, a little low. I no. thought it was five, but no. it is an average movie, but it's good. I love the storyline. It's timeless. It's an adventure. It's like the Goonies, you know, some shit don't make sense. It's a little outdated, but it's nostalgic and, and we get what's going on. So I love your take. I love your take. It's where it sits for me. Awesome. Well, with my six, Steve's four, and Alyssa's four and a half, that brings us to a 4.83 movie. Uh, so it's actually going to be tied at the uh, 4.83 with uh, with Mr. and Mrs. Smith. This is not as good as White, Can't, White Men Can't Jump and Tropic Thunder, but it's better than The Watch and Rush Hour. Correction. It's way fucking better than Tropic Thunder. Okay. Oh. 
Thank God I wasn't on that epi because yeeks. <laughs> Not a fan. Yeah. Couldn't get her to watch that one with me either. Awesome. Well, Alyssa, we're going to let you in on a fun part of Too Much Movie Night. It's uh, it's picking next week's movie. <gasps> what? I know. I know. Whoa. So our movie from our wheel last week was a caper or a heist movie. Digging in there, something. Uh, we're going to go steal something next week. So, Steve... You're going to get two picks. I'm going to get two picks. And JJ is still, uh, he remotely sent in his two picks. Oh. Yes. He still wants to be a part of this. He will not give them up to Alyssa. So our movies on the wheel are going to be Snatch, The Italian Job, National Treasure, The Town, Lock, Stock, and Two Barrels, and Takers. Man, we didn't even Whoa. We didn't what even about me? I thought I was invited. Well, Alyssa, what do you want to put on there? Alyssa. You get, Wait, you I, get one? She gets one, right? I thought I got one, right? Even though I won't be here? Yeah, you get one. Uh, we'll see. <gasps> What's it going to be? Okay, I'm not going to have a moment because it's just recorded and you don't leave you know, evidence. <laughs> but I can't believe that you guys overlapped on the movies that you did and no one brought up Inception. The ultimate heist. heist movie? Yes, yeah. he has the ability to steal people's subconscious and their dreams. Hmm. Per IMDb, so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm thinking. It... Hmm. Three. Here we go. Oh, what's it gonna be? What's it gonna be? Yeah. Oh, it's Snatch. still going. Oh no! Stopping. Snatch. I. Uh... Dude, I love this movie. Snatch. This is probably Guy Ritchie's great. Uh, I don't know. Maybe not. Mm. No, I think it is. All right, so we've got our movie for next week. It's going to be Snatch. Whoop, whoop. All right, what category for the following week? I feel like we need to add some more categories on here. And our final spin, our category for the following week is going to be... Here we go, here we go. <laughs> oh shit one word movie titles <laughs> awesome that was so close man really the time was. travel another wow. another pixel away well this will be cool because this won't be exactly genre specific this is just uh movies with one, one word titles word movie title wow all right i would say that that's pretty limiting but it's not limiting at all i mean it's like well open to we'll go mushroom and we'll go mushroom hunting later Rack em. <laughs> First show, everybody. Tune in next week. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bum, 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 bum.